0: Well, when Matthew was sharing about the colors, he, Matthew wasn't in the first service this morning, but <clears throat> when I came in here and we started worshiping, I saw these colors coming into the room, and I knew it was, uh, it was the Father's DNA. That's really what God is doing, is releasing His DNA, and He just made it colorful. I mean, I don't know what DNA looks like, but I know what I was seeing looked like DNA. You know, the little pictures of DNA were strand But it was just coming down into the room, and it was multicolored. And God really wants to release the Father's heart over people and really let people know that the Father's... I love that song we were singing earlier, you know, uh, uh, your love never fails. And, you know, even though you go through the night, whatever that was saying, what was it saying? saying something, you know. It was saying when we have hard times, God's love never fails. And, you know, that's what the world needs to hear right now. They need to hear, the church needs to hear it, but... But the world needs to hear it even worse, that God is never gonna fail us and his heart is he wants to reveal his heart to mankind, the Father's heart, and show man that he never lets us down. He never he never will let you down. You may feel that down, but in the end he causes everything to work for our good. Now that's wonderful to be able to sing those songs that God turns and causes all things and to believe that in your life. Because that's really what the Lord wants to do. Amen? So I'm going to read some a couple of verses out of Revelation this morning. Since this is the last Sunday of the year, I thought I'd give you a good old Revelation message. Amen? Out of the book of Revelation. Uh, uh, Revelations 1-3, "'Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy, and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near.' So this is the only uh book in the Bible that I'm aware of where it says that if we will read it, hear it and do it, that we're going to be blessed. I think that's true for all the all the scripture really, but this one specifically says that. So I think God wants to release a blessing into the earth in the end times that we're living in. You know, when this was written, it says the time was near. How much more near is it today than it was then? Uh, but what we're seeing, I think, and I think most of you, this is obvious, there's, a, there's an increase in, re, and there's going to be more of an increase in resistance to Christianity in our country. Okay? There's going to be an increase, and that is nothing more than the anti Christ spirit being stirred up. That spirit's being stirred up more and more and more, and there's really nothing that's going to change it, honestly. It's not meant to change it. It's the, you know, things were meant to go. The way the Bible says they're going to go. And so I've gotten, I've been really reading Revelations. And when I started reading, I read that verse. I made a decision in my heart, I'm going to get some blessings out of this. And uh, I want to share like three things that really bless me. Uh, the first one is the shakings that are going on in our country right now and in the world are from the Lord. They are from the Lord. And apart from a revelation of the Father's heart, it is going to be really difficult for us to go through these shakings and really come out the other end better than we went in. Okay, if we don't see that the, the Father's heart towards us, it, it's just going to be uh, crushing for many people to go through this because honestly, this is gonna, we're going to come out, we, I don't know how we're going to come out, but we may come out with less than what we have right now. Okay, because when when God shakes things fall that shouldn't be there. And we may come out with less than what we have today when it's all said and done. Uh, and I think but, but what we had to see that if we come out with less, we needed the less. We need to dump the less. And so I think God really wants to reveal that. But but we have to see, if you if you study Revelation, if you really study it and look at it, and I'm not going to try to give the interpretations of all that because I don't really, I'm not into that. But one thing I, I see is uh, when when the things begin to get really shook, I was always like, Revelations 1 through 4, verse 1, and that was it. The rest of it was like, I don't really care about the rest of this. It's too crazy for me, you know. Th- you know, things being thrown from heaven and... You know, throwing you know these angels doing all this wild stuff. But if you look at it, uh, it says there was a little book, okay, and nobody could open the book except the lamb, okay. And the lamb opened the book, and then the lamb broke. There was these seals on this book, and he broke these seals. And when the seals got broke, bad things started happening on the earth, and it was the lamb of God who did it. And all the way through it, then angels got involved. They started slinging and throwing stuff, and you know, then they got the martyrs up there in heaven to start crying and carrying on. They could start, you know, getting all in an uproar up there in heaven, getting God to do stuff. But I think what we had to see is, is is God really will release things into the earth if we know Him as our personal Father. We're happy in the midst of it. We can know that our Father is going to take care of us. Which we see that in in the book. Uh, the next thing that really uh, spoke to my heart was what we do on this earth is important. What we, your life on this earth, is very, very, very important. And that's that's really. And the other thing I'll, I'll tell you is the revelation of the bride of Christ that God is going to bring forth in the end days. The church that God's going to have a church, a, a, a glorious church, is what the Bible Bible calls it. And and really, uh, you know, Israel is one of God's time clocks for the end, but I think one of the greatest things you could do is look at the church, and the church can tell you uh, that the end is near, because when God begins to unveil this beautiful bride, we know that Christ is soon to come. Uh, let me read Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad. Now, this rejoicing... And and being glad was uh, you know through some difficulties, and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and and His bride has made herself ready. Um. So the bride is the church, it's the body of Christ, and note that it says the bride made herself ready. Okay. Now this is really critical for us. We there's a part for us to play in what God's doing in the earth. There's a part. We have a part. We have to make ourselves ready. In other words, God is not going to come and dress dress us like a, a six-month-old baby. You know, a six-month-old baby needs somebody to, to clothe them. They need somebody to change their diaper. They need somebody to wash them. God is not going to do that, okay? He's calling for a church to make herself ready, okay? To get ready. And, but the great thing, but Roger says that, it says in verse 8, it was given. Okay? God gave us something. See, God give, never requires something from us unless He gives us something to do it. I mean, so it's not like we've got to generate something, but it was given, it says, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So God has, has given us something to do. He's given us righteous acts to, to put on and to clothe ourselves with. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. This world we're living in is like a dressing room. Put a, imagine a dress. Everybody's been in a dressing room at some point in your life. The only difference between a dressing room that you go in, usually you go into one by yourself most of the time. right? You don't usually haul people in there with you. you and, the oh, yeah, if you've got kids, you might have to haul them in there because they'll run away, <laughs> especially Matthew's kids. <laughs> We just threaten our kids until if you even move. I mean, there won't even be no skin left on you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you can ask Aaron later. Right? He's still here. He's got skin on him. <laughs> but uh you you? Not true. it's not true. No, it's not true. We never did that. We took him in there with us. But I don't ever take. Let me just say this: the dress room we're in, we're all in it together. We're all in the same dressing room. this That's what, how you got to see this life. This life is a dressing room. And so most of the time when you go in the dressing room and try something on, you got to take something off. Okay? And see, God in this time is call, calling people to take some stuff off so He can dress us. And I wanted to read this, John eleven 44. I'm going to jump out of Revelations just for a second. Actually, I'm jumping out probably for the rest of the time. Huh? <laughs> the Bible says in Revelation 3:18, one of the things Jesus told the Laodicean church to buy was white garments to cover your nakedness. I was like, "Well, how do you buy this stuff? I mean, have you God asked well, how do I buy this? Buy this?'" This is the way you buy it. You buy the truth about yourself. When God comes and speaks the truth to you, you buy it. That's you agree with God. That's how you buy the truth. Is you buy it, you humble yourself to what God's saying about you, but this is this is the story of Lazarus after Jesus had called him forth from being dead for four days. And it said, "...the man who had died came forth, uh, bound hand and foot with wrappings." And that wrappings there is literally gra- grave clothes. "...and his face was wrapped around with a cloth, a, cl- a cloth. Jesus said to them, "'Unbind him and let him go.'" Unbind him and let him go.'" So that's sort of a picture of Christians when they get saved, they come out of this they come out of this tomb of death, this tomb of death. They're certainly they are alive, but they still have. Gra- we all come into the kingdom with grave clothes on. Okay, we all come into the kingdom bound up with things. I've not met one person ever who came in and everything was right with him instantly. I've just hadn't met that person. We all come in. We have issues in our life, you know. In in other words, it says his face was wrapped. Every Christian I've known, every person I've known, born again, not born again, walks around in life at some point with these masks on. Don't know who they are. Don't don't trying to figure out. You know they, they they can't see who they are. They can't know who they are. Somebody has to help them get that get those deaf those gray clothes off their face. Get them off. Unbind their hands so I can use their hands. Unbind their feet so they can so they can walk. So what God has, has does and has been trying to do in our lives, He's been trying to get the grave clothes off of us, okay? And some grave clothes are just like the outer clothes, you know. I mean, a lot of people get rid of those outer clothes real easy. I mean, you know, uh, I don't never go in the dressing rooms, and I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I don't try on no stuff. I don't take my underwire off on no, just to get real with you. I'm not taking my underwire off in no daggone department store. You know, I mean, when I try on pants, I leave my underwear on. I ain't never tried no swimsuit on. Honestly. I don't know what people do who try swimsuits on. Okay? But the truth is, those are undergarments. I mean, y'all get the picture, right? Maybe you don't want to get the picture. But the truth is, some things take a little more time than others. Okay? And I don't believe we get it all dealt with until we see the Lord face to face. Okay, and there's some things hidden down in us we don't know about. The Holy Spirit can reveal them to us, but God really wants to get the grave clothes off of people. God wants to get get you know, God wants to tell you who you are. He's the only person who can tell you. You can't tell yourself. The world sure can't tell you. Uh, we can live our lives trying to figure out who we are and never know it. Because we've never went to the to the person who created us and said, Who am I? Help me. So, God called, there's people who have callings to do deliverance. There's people who have callings to do inner healing kind of things. And those are the people in this story. Jesus said, get the, unbind the millennial. These are people who have these anointings to do this kind of thing. And God's given the church people like that. And then God's given the church other people who can go to that person who they pulled those things off. Now, let's get the right clothes on you. Let's put the, the, the righteous act, Let's put the linen of Christ on. Let's begin to clothe you of Christ so you won't be naked. Because the truth is... The truth this is the way. is the day you see me dressed in these clothes. Okay, but when God sees me, He don't see these clothes. When God sees me, He sees something else. And if I'm not... If, I don't, if I'm not dressing with the things of God, then He may see the world, the flesh, the devil on me. Okay? which in God's eyes is nakedness. And and, and that's what Adam did. He was naked and he found out and he tried to cover himself. See, See, that's what we do. We try to cover ourselves up with things thinking we're going to be okay when the truth is we're not okay. We're not okay at all. And see, it's one thing to think you're okay in front of people and fool people because some of us are clever at fooling people. Okay, but I'll tell you what. You can, if you if you get, get get where you can dial into the spiritual realm, you can see stuff. I told this story in the earlier service. A friend of mine, uh, Mark Mathis' dad, Joe Mathis, was a tremendous fellow, and I'll never forget this. It was one of those events in my life that has stuck with me. But we were we were in church there, just you know, fellowship and hanging around, and somebody walked up to Joe and said, "Joe, I see the world all over you." And Joe broke down weeping at that moment. Fell over on me weeping. I fell over on him weeping. Because I was thinking, Joe Mathis looks like the world. My goodness, he's 20 times more righteous than I am. I'm in so much trouble with God that I was so bad they didn't even bother talking to me about it. <laughs> this boy's too far gone, Joe. It's is salvageable. But And that's really buying the truth. He wept. Because he realized he'd gotten worldly. He had the world on him. And he repented right that moment. You know, and that worldliness came off of him. And I believe the Lord wants the bride to make herself ready. And I think part of what God's doing in the earth today is speaking to people about their heart condition. Speaking to them about the things in them that are not right. And and speaking to them about what, what are you clothed with? Who's telling you your identity? Well, that's uh, one of the things I want to just sort of put that before you. But now I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to tell you about how God is clothing the church. Okay? Because God is truly clothing the church with beauty. God is going to have a beautiful church. Uh, You know, we've heard so many negative things about the church. Okay, bad thing. The church is bad. Church did. You know, ain't, you know, ain't all that stuff. People are down in the church. I feel sort of offended these days about that, honest, when I start pe- hearing people trashing the church. I'm thinking, hey, come on. God's going to raise up some, some people that's going to stop that. Uh, if if you were starting to trash Becky, I'd be sort of getting irritated with you pretty quick. Right? Nobody wants somebody to be trashing their spouse, regardless of her condition. But God's is restoring things to the church. And, and I want to tell you I've, what I've done is, is, is I have this thing about... I love church history. And I like to read church history and read the world history parallel to it. Okay? And one of the things that happens in, in, in the world and in the church, when God brings a move of God, one of the things the devil always tries to do is start wars. That's one of the devil's primary... When he, when he really gets under the gun, he'll start a war. And so that's, it's true. And to stop the revival... And because a lot of revivals in history have been stopped because of war. Believe it or not. And so one, that's one of the reasons we have to pray about wars. There's some wars that are not yet to be fought. Okay? Some wars are not yet to be fought. So we have to be, when we hear about wars and rumors of war, we have to really have wisdom from the Lord because some wars can take away. And that applies in your personal life. Your own personal wars. You got to be careful about your own personal wars with other people. But so, so what I, do, I want to go back in the Bible. If you study revivals, are y'all are y'all hanging with me right now? We're talking about what God wants to clothe people. The first revival in in history occurred in Genesis chapter four, and this is a description of the revival. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Men begin to call on God. Okay, that was the first. men had drifted from God, and they were calling back to God. That was the first revival recorded in the Bible. And you can go all the way through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. And there is revival after revival after revival after revival, and then about a hundred and thirty years after the New Testament was finished, there's a revival that happened. There's probably some other ones we don't know about, but and but then there's revivals, 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 all the way all the way up into. Today, there's revivals. There's these moves of God that God brings. So, but I can't tell you about all those revivals. Uh, you know, Sometimes you'd like to. I've I got 75% of my hard drive on my computer is information on revivals in church history. I love that stuff. Because okay? you get such a revelation reading it. But I'll tell you this. I want to tell you about four revivals that go back for the last 500 years. Okay? There have been four major revivals in the last 500 years. And every one of these revivals have done something for the church. Every one of these revivals brought something back to the church, restored something to the church, began to do a makeover on the church, began to change the church, began to add something to the church that the church had lost. And so that's what I want to quickly tell you about those four revivals, okay? Are y'all... we on the same... All right, the first one... Is, I better read off my notes here because I get messed up. The first one is what we all know to be the Protestant Reformation. Uh, the dates were sort of... All these dates were approximate. None of those exact. Uh, from, and it occurred between 1517 and 1560. And we know that Martin Luther was the main guy that's known. Now, I want to list some of the truths that were restored to the church in this revival. Justification is based on faith alone. Righteousness is found only in Christ Jesus himself and is imputed to believers through faith. Scriptures are the sole authority for faith and practice. Believers do not need any person to mediate between themselves and God except for Christ. Jesus Christ himself is the head of the church. Now, when you read that, this is what you should think. Duh! What's wrong with those idiots? Anybody could pick up their Bible and read that and find all those truths. This is clearly in the Scripture. But guess what? The people sitting in the churches in those days didn't know that. They had been taught something else. And God began to bring a wave. He brought a wave in that brought those truths, it was brought the truth of the person of Christ back to the church. Christ himself, Jesus himself, was restored to the church in that revival called the Reformation. Thank God for that, right? And I'll tell you this, every time somebody gets up, like every time Billy Graham stood in, a, in, a, in a, a, a arena and preached the gospel, he was drawing off of what God did in the 1500s. He was drawing off the wells of that revival that was released to this earth. Preaching salvation by faith. That's powerful. It was a great... This, the next one, what I call the Great Awakenings. And those, those began around 1740 and, and, and lasted to 1832. Uh, and basically what happened in the Great Awakenings was the, the, the truths that I just gave you from the Reformation. The church took those truths... And begin to impact society with those truths. Begin to preach that gospel. Begin to release that out into the world they lived in, and people's lives were impacted majorly, and the world was impacted. There was the first one was obviously the first Great Awakening uh, that most of you know about uh, that happened 1740 to 1745, and of course some of the big names in that was Jonathan Edwards, uh, John Wesley, Charles Wesley. look at, uh, go get a hymn book. And read and look through the titles of many of the hymns. The Wesley brothers wrote many of these hymns. They were revival hymns. They sort of got kind of crummy these days, but back in those days, they were like the cutting edge music. George Whitfield, Listen to this Baptists, Methodists, and Presbyterians, all non established groups, took root and grew. They were like us. Baptists and Presbyters were like us in those days. They were just some little old group over here. They ain't nobody. They don't count for nothing. They're not an established people, you know. They're some off brand Christians to be questioned. Through this (laughs) revival, I'm serious. (laughs) Through this revival, they became significant churches, significant denominations because of revival. And a couple of other good things that came out great emphasis came to be placed on education. University of Pennsylvania was founded by George Whitfield. Uh, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, in spite of Jeff Cantley's West Virginia T-shirt, which we were—I told him he had to leave; he couldn't wear that T-shirt in here this morning. <laughs> Somehow they beat Carolina yesterday. Anyway, the first uh, staff of University of North Carolina, the first—you uh, know—the the faculty were all Presbyterian pastors the first staff that I have. So you see there was this great emphasis on education. And then a greater responsibility for Indians and slaves emerged from the revival. And in those days, black people honestly were treated like they didn't have a soul. They were treated like dogs. And because of the revival, people began to say, this is wrong, these are human beings, they don't need to be treated George Whitfield was the first preacher who ever preached to Indians because Indians were also treated like savages. So you see, the revival began to say, "No, this is wrong." There's that West Virginia sweatshirt back there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, talk about savages, man! (laughs) So you see what God did. It's amazing what God did through that that revival. Then the second Great Awakening that happened 1798 to approximately 1732. The thing called camp meetings emerged. Uh, there was the Cane Ridge Revival, which was a very famous revival, with just 20,000 people there. There were these meetings called the Red River Meetings. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival Church. Amen. Believe it or not, there really was a church named that. in South. I think it was Southwest Kentucky. It was a, play, a, a spot of a major move of God. So those guys were just copying. And according to Dean Stein, the guy that was the... Was the leader of Clearwater uh, Revival? Yeah, Clearwater Revival Band got saved, and it was because he stole this name. (laughs) Those are some famous names from the Second Great Awakening, but some of the things that came out is prison reform. Back in those days, prisoners were treated like trash, they were abused, prison conditions were terrible, and because of the move of God, People said, no, we can't have this. This, this, is, this is inhumane to treat these... Even they are prisoners, we've got to fix our prison system and make it a better place for prisoners. Even a concern. The American Bible Society, of course, that's one of the great you know uh, people who've made sure that everybody can have Bibles in America and the world, was established through this revival. That's incredible. The temperance movement. you all know the temperance movement? It's about alcohol. i told the first, this is the truth. The temperance movement... Basically, if you came from the South, temperance movement said you can't drink alcohol at all. Okay, if you came from the North, they said you can drink, but in moderation. Y'all got that? So, you see, there was a. Tem- and, and I'm going to tell you what my friend told me, okay? I mean, he, he said, Byron, you know the only difference between Southern Christians and Northern Christians is the Northern Christians leave their alcohol sitting out in the open where everybody can see it, and the Southern Christians hide theirs. That's why he told me. I said, No way, man. But that's really what the, temp, the temperance is because alcohol abuse in this nation and the world was rampant and people were being abused over it. And these people stood up and said, No, wait a minute. Out of this revival, women's right. If you're a woman this morning, you ought to go kiss Charles Finney's feet. You ought to go kiss these revivalists. You ought to go kiss these people's feet. Because it didn't come from politics. It came from a move of God and people saying that women deserve to be able to vote. They deserve to be able to be treated equal as men. They, they're not, you know, just objects of men's desires to be used and abused and all that stuff. And it came out of the revival. That's incredible. And, uh, and the uh, other thing was the ab- abolition of slavery. Again, that wasn't some government official's ideal. It was a move of God, and people said it's wrong to have slaves. Also, uh, Charles Finney Peter Cartwright were a couple of the, the, the name-brand Christians that preached that people know, that, but there was many others. But even secular historians all agree that the 1st and 2nd grade Awakening exercised exercise a profound impact on American history a profound impact God clothed the church with this evangelistic changed the world attitude that it did not have at that time before that time and once this, this move of God came through the world began to be changed isn't it wonderful that God's done this it doesn't excite you doesn't it doesn't make you want to go out and read about revivals I hope it, you get a hunger for this I read every revival book there is that I can find I love to go and just look for them, ones that are, like, hidden, you know, away. All right, then in 1904, I began, approximately begin another great revival called the Pentecostal Revival. And some of the names of the Welsh Revival that... uh uh, Welsh, uh, De- Evan Roberts, which was, was a major revival. Uh, I don't have it listed, but the Hebrides revivals in the 40s. The Zusa Street revival with old William Seymour, a one-eyed black man who hosted one of the most powerful moves of the Holy Spirit that's probably ever occurred in this nation to this day. Hosted it and led it. For years, a move of God that was profound, that has profoundly impacted our lives. The charismatic renewal, I don't care what you say, if you're a charismatic, you can't you, you just you're part of that big wave. You may be a sub wave. I don't know. The prophetic movement is all a part of it. A. A. Allen, Catherine Kuhlman were powerful names that came out of I'm sure some of you have heard that, probably some of you hate those names. I don't know where you stand. I love those names. I mean, there were people that God powerfully used. The Assembly of God, Church of God, Foursquare, Church of God in Christ, all were birthed out of this revival. These are some very wonderful denominations that have blessed this nation and, and the nations of the world. The greatest missionary movement in the history of the world was came out of the Azusa Street, came out of the Pentecostal revival. The great, they called it the, the suitcase revival. Because people would get so profoundly touched by God, they would be exploding on the inside, we've got to go. They would immediately head off to the mission field. Because their power, that's why they call it the suitcase. People would get touched by God, and they would just like, where do we need to go to share what we got? Very powerful revival. The missionary movement that we see today that's so wonderful that's come out of this country, we can go back and kiss the feet of William Seymour, honestly, and thank him. Uh, Pentecostalism is the second largest Christian movement in the entire world. There's 500 million people worldwide that claim themselves to be Pentecostals. Okay, they're only second to Roman, the Roman Catholic Church. Which you might think, oh, they ain't the Roman Catholic church ain't big, you know, they're just a little old church in one Catholic church in Morsville. But if you worldwide, they are a major church, and they've grown in Morsville actually. Because if you go to the original church building, which is about the size of the stage—that's about how big that place it is—and go look at their church now, because all those Northerners have come down here, you know, infiltrated with their their uh, their moderation versus absence theology. I'm not going to get into that. But what the Pentecostal revival did is restored the person and power of the Holy Spirit to the church. That's what it gave us. It gave us the person in power. Now, listen, you may say now, well, there were other people before this. Of course there, was, there were. But I'm talking about major things that have affected the world. I'm not talking about this church or affect this group over there, this group of people. No, I'm talking about something that's affected all of us. It's a powerful move of God. And then in 1993, I believe, and I think you know, a lot of people who study revivals, would tell you that another wave came, and it's called the Father's Blessing. Started in Toronto, Canada, Canada is really where it first broke out. Toronto, Canada, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, A person named Randy Clark is a a name that most of you know and heard. John Arnott was pastor of uh, Bill Johnson Bethel Church and Beth uh, somewhere California, Northern California, somewhere. But uh, Redding, California, very powerful anointing. Uh, The term Holy Spirit River really came out of this move of God that has been released. The revelation of the open heaven. Uh, I can just imagine. What if church history went for 500 years? Say we went for 500. I can imagine the the Christians 500 years from now looking back at us like we look back at the people in in the Reformation that didn't even understand salvation by faith thinking, such dummies! Didn't believe in angels! What was wrong with them? You see what I'm saying? God begins to restore things to us. So He's restoring the reality of a real open heaven that has been given to us, a heaven that was opened, torn open, never to be closed, that we have. And we think some of this stuff's weird and crazy. Well, I don't know about that. I, you know, I, I, 500 years now, 50 years, and we'd be looking back and I'm like, good Lord, why not? You know, God is restoring that revelation of the open heaven to us. He's, rev- He's restoring a fresh emphasis of the kingdom of heaven being released into this realm, into the earth and impacting this earth. You know, that's why the healing... You see, one of the things the difference between the healing movement today versus the healing movement in the Pentecostal movement, the healing movement of the Pentecostal was really centered around pers- people like A.A. A. Allen. He had a tremendous anointing for him. I've watched uh, videos of him I've seen and just these tremendous miracles happen under this guy's ministry. But see, the difference today is God is looking for a corporate people who walk under that anointing. That's the difference. You see, it's it's not just gonna be around one a man. It's gonna be around a bunch of men and women. You see what I'm saying? That's really what God is doing now. That's what the open heaven's all about. Is we all have access to what the Lord the, the, the the power of heaven being released into our life and being released through our life. Uh, One of the great things is the Father's heart. Now, that's really been the thing that God's restoring now. You see, we've had the the Lord Jesus Christ restored in the Reformation. Okay? The Pentecostal movement restored the Holy Spirit to us. And now God's restoring to the body of Christ the revelation of the Father. It's really important right now. Excuse me. Let me tell you about this little experience I had last night. I don't know that's what I'm going to call it because I can't figure out what it was exactly because I I wasn't asleep. But this is what happened. I found myself in this, Becky and I were in this church and it was a denominational church. Like a, you know, like a real denominational church. You know, real, you know, three hymns and that kind of church. And, uh, and for some reason, they wanted me to speak in the church. I don't know why, you know, but I was like, why, where am I going to tell these people? They'll hate me in this church if I tell them stuff that I really want to talk about. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, tell them about the Lord's Prayer because they all believe in the Lord's Prayer. Tell them about that. And as you're telling it, tell them about the Father's heart, about my heart towards them. Begin to tell them that. And tell them about that orphan spirit that they don't know about that's destroying them. So that's what I did. I got up and started... And now these are really uh, traditional, you know, really calm people. And I knew in the dream, you you can't get up there and act like a fool, which you like you do at church. You know, you can't be hollering and, you know, acting stupid and slinging and throwing things and... Just saying really crazy things like, don't study the Bible. And, you know, just all this stuff you, you say, like, oh, I, I, I shouldn't have, you know, you've got to go up here. You, I mean, you can't act like you're at home. You know how you act at home? Did y'all act at home like a one way, like when I'm at home? I mean, I can go, I don't even brush my teeth someday. Like, oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. Walking around in my pajamas with one sock on, one off, it's like, who cares? I'm at home. <laughs> Nobody cares. We had some visitors come here I was in my pajamas. I thought, well, heck, y'all here. Y'all might as well come on in. You know, I'm not changing. They didn't care, you know. They said, you got your pajamas on, huh? I said, oh, yeah, I always have my pajamas on. I have my Panther pajamas on. Panther, said, Panther pajamas, man. Anyways, so I knew in this dream I, I need to be nice and be, you know, well-spoken and not be such a fool, but tell them this stuff. So I started telling them, about the Father's heart. I, I started telling them, listen, somebody, I, this is what I was saying. I, even have, I can remember the message I was giving. I was saying, some of you in this room, all your life you have felt like you were on the outside looking in. All your life you have not felt accepted. You've not felt like you belong. Even in the church, the place that should welcome you the most accepted, you, you've not felt like you've measured up. You've not felt like you were good enough. And you could see they were getting ruffled in there about that. I could see people starting to cry about it. I said, but the Father wants to know that you all belong in His house and He all welcomes you equally. And there's a place at His table. And then I begin to tell them about that orphan spirit and how each one of us were born in this world affected by this spirit that assaults us over and over and over in our life. And that we walk around with this thing on our face telling us that we're something that we're really not and telling us lies about ourselves over and over, lying, 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 lying to us telling us lies over and over and over, getting us to believe something that's not real. But the Father's saying, no, I want to tell them the truth. I want to tell them how I feel about them. And, I, and then I said this. I said, and there's some of you in here who have hidden addictions because of what's going on in your life, because of the pain inside of you. Okay, you see, that's the thing about people who are or have addictions in their life. If you have an addiction in your life this morning, you know what you're doing? You're trying to cover some pain. There's there's something in you that hurts. And the alcohol or the prescription drugs or the pornography or or the infatuation with this person or whatever it is you're addicted to, tobacco, whatever, it's because there's something in you that's in pain. You hear what I'm saying to you? And so I shared that. I'm thinking I'm sharing that. And people were just, they were people weeping. I mean, just weeping in that room. And we invited him up. We're going to pray for you if you would like to come up for prayer. <laughs> Sorry. I will not spitting in there. <laughs> R.T. Bill ain't here, but he said, but i never sitting in front seat of church here. I don't want to get spit on. So I asked him, well, why are you sitting back here in the back? Said, because I don't want to get spit on. What are you me? He was truthful. But this is what it was. We invited him up, and we, Becky and I knew we can't be up here yelling into their stomach. <laughs> we can't be out here shaking and quivering when we're praying we've got to do this thing the way they would want you to do it because we're in their house now and they started yelling they were weeping they were crying because the Father was touching them and for some of them um, for the first time in their life they realized that God the Father was there for them it seemed like it was real that's why I'm sharing it. It seems so real. And then God spoke to me. He said, Byron, would you be willing to go do that in a small church like that? Because it was a small church. There probably 50 people. And I said, uh, yeah, if you send me, if you want me to go, I'll go, Lord, yeah, that's no problem. I'll do that. Then he said to me, would you be willing to go to a large one like that? And God knew, 50 people, I can do this. I don't want to be going to no big old churches. I don't want to mess with them demons in there. I'm scared. of. Them. He knew he had me then. Because God wants to beautify the church. And those people need to be beautified. Traditional churches, they're not ugly. They just need to be beautified. We need to be beautified. And God's going to beautify the church. He's going to beautify it. He's going to get those grave clothes off and He's going to put His fine linen i was saying, aren't you thankful today for Martin Luther for willing to stand up and say, no, this is, this is not right. This is not the truth. I don't want to earn my salvation. Did you know 500 years ago to get somebody saved? I'm talking about when the Reformation, Reformation happened, when they tried to get a person saved, it was like pulling teeth, it was like trying to get people healed today because it was such unbelief. That how could I just believe this and be saved? Look how far the church has come. Because somebody was willing to do what God had called them to do. Their acts, their works, they put on, they put on their fine linen. William Seymour put on his fine linen. He put it on you know, as far as I'm concerned, John Arnott has put his fine linen on. He's, he's done it. Bill Johnson has. All these people who've led the prophetic, they've done it. You've got to ask yourself, have I put mine on? Or am I still walking around in grave clothes? I mean, that's really the truth. Now, we all we ain't going to be William Seymour's. Let's just face it. We don't even try to be Williams. But we need to be who we are. God has something for every person, every believer. He's got something. Each one of us. I don't care what it looks like, but he's got something. I wanted to read this one last scripture. Are y'all good? Y'all looking? Yeah, this is good, man. I mean, this is really what the Lord wants to do. He really wants to... You know, and you think about all the opposition, those guys, every move of God suffered tremendous uh, opposition. Trash talk. Talk trashed about. Trash put down, threatened to be killed. People today, no different. You know, it's ugly things set about. And thank God they just didn't let that stop them. Thank God. I knew I was in trouble one day when this friend of mine introduced me to uh, the Associated Reform Presbyterian Pastor. And he said, oh, this is Byron Ringer. He's the pastor of River Life. Oh. <laughs> I thought, what did I do? <laughs> Not that he's a bad guy. I'm just saying, you're going to... You you need to, if you're going to really go after this thing, that stuff back in the Reformation, although it seems like, oh, that's so tame and everybody should know that, it was radical and crazy back then. It, it was bad news. These people are bad. Don't listen to these people. Salvation by faith, how could that be? You know? So God's, I think the next wave. I'm just telling you, the next wave that I believe, personally I believe, and I don't know when it's going to begin, but if you notice, if you study revivals, the time frame on revivals, the waves are getting tighter. Okay? They're getting closer together. You know why they're getting closer together? Because Jesus said the end's near. So things are getting, there's an acceleration in this. and uh, But I believe there's a, um, a wave on, that's going to hit the church and so the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit restored to the church. Now God is going to restore the beauty of the church. So I'm going to tell you something. Don't be trash chopping the church. Don't be putting the church down. That's not good. That's not a healthy thing to be doing because God is going to have a beautiful bride. Uh, let me just tell you this. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Toronto. It was one of those times when God just was going tooth and nail on me. You know, I mean, hey, give me a break, Lord. Are you going to kill me over this deal or what? But He showed me a vision of myself. And I looked like this I looked like a person who had authorized all over their body I was totally twisted and the Lord said Byron you are I look like a pretzel that's what I look like and he said Byron your thinking is so twisted about things I'm fixing to unravel all that he began and just in a moment's time he untwisted me all of a sudden my mind became clear I realized oh that's just a bunch of lies I've believed it's just twisted garbage in a moment's time God did that in me and all of a sudden, it straightened me up. Then the next thing I saw, I saw this ironing board over there. And there's this big old iron sitting there. I'm thinking, what is this, Lord? He said, I'm going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle. You know what happened next? I was over on that ironing board. This hand was running this iron. It was hot, too, man. It was, it was going over me, but he was getting wrinkles out of me. God's going to have a beautiful church. I'm for the church. I want to say that today. I am for the beautiful bride. And I believe God is going to get the grave clothes off of us, and I believe God's going to beautify us. I believe there's going to be a move of God and the earth where the Scripture talks about, you know, something like a bunch of guys are saying, we just want to join ourselves to you. Uh, where's that at? In Isaiah somewhere, Jim? Zechariah. Zechariah. It says that, that people, are, we're going to, we want to be, because the beauty of the body of Christ is going to be revealed in the earth. It's going to be real. It's going to be restored. story. God's going to do it. Read Revelation. It says, it's, it says it's going to be. So I want to encourage you today. Now, that's the end of the message. Now, I was going to read that one more scripture, but he's already... Are you still back there? He's all right. I want to read this one last one. This is what Jesus said. Because I want, I want, I want you to get this. Is this a long message? <laughs> it was long. It was above my limit. Uh, Behold, Revelation 22, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done. We're not talking about earning salvation. We're not talking about earning anything. It's God has given us something. What are you doing with it? Now, that's the question. God has given you. Now, listen, everybody's got to answer this. You've got to say, What am I dressed in today? What am I wearing? You ask yourself, What am I wearing? Am I wearing the world today? Am I wearing what somebody else said I was? We've got to ask ourselves that because God wants to take what we're wearing. If it's not Him, He wants to take it off. It's just like my friend Joe Mathis. Joe, I see the world all over you. Explodes in tears. Falls on my shoulder. I'm exploding in tears, falling on His shoulder because I'm so scared. The fear of God came into me. I knew right then, I mean, I've got to repent. If the world's on Him, it's much more on me. Now, we have to ask her, Only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. But I'll tell you this. We need to answer that question. And we need to say, Lord, uh, you know those, those people you said? Hey, unbind him and let him loose. Send those people into my life, Lord. People that love me and can really speak into my life and tell me the truth and let me hear them and not argue with it, not fight it. Let me just hear it so I can get rid of some of because I can't get rid of all of it because God has created us for need for each other. Amen? And say, Lord, also, I need to send those people, you know, what does they call it, the friends of the bride, you know, the ones who help the bride, the bridesmaids, yeah. Send some bridesmaids to help me get dressed up and cleaned up here. I want them to, I don't want to just get the stuff out. I want some good stuff to get on me. Y'all want some good stuff on you? Yeah, yeah. I, come on, Lord, just get all over us. That's what I, get, just get on me. Amen? So why don't we just stand up. Do you have something you want to add into this, Matthew? See, what I was thinking we could do, this is what I'd like to do. I would like for us, everybody in the room, if you want to, let's join in a little, some little small groups and let's pray for each other. Okay? And primarily what I feel is I want, I want us to release the Father's blessing on each other, that the Father loves you the Father has a desire for you. The Father wants to pull you in to His life. And He wants to be in your life. And He has a concern about your life, your situation. If you'd like to do something like that, and if God begins to you know, do other things, prophetic, you know, if you get prophetic stuff, you get stuff about the grave clothes, or whatever. Healing. If you need healing, tell the people, I need healing. I need a financial breakthrough. That was a great thing this morning. Breakthrough is in here. Let's get the breakthrough. Matthew saw the colors. We had the colors earlier. It was the Father's DNA. He wants to download this revelation of the Father down in our hearts in a much greater way. Amen? So let's just let's, let's do that on our ministry. Just get out of your aisles, you, and grab a hold of some people, just small groups, and let's just really bless each other. It would be a great way to end Sunday at River Loss.